Hi, everyone. Welcome to the March 1st ASF Weekly Science Podcast. In case you didn't recognize it already, the intro music was Enter Sandman, performed by Metallica. It's a complicated song, and the original lyrics evolved to what they are now, but eventually describes a child having problems sleeping. Complicated because the song is more about the reasons, but I thought it would be a good intro to today's topic, sleep. I've talked before about different interventions, melatonin, cognitive behavioral therapy, and good sleep hygiene, but I haven't really discussed as much about the biological basis of sleep problems, the type of sleep problems, or how they're linked to behavior problems in autistic individuals. Now, last year, I did mention a study from the Infant Brain Imaging Study, which looked at brain development in infants who developed or didn't develop ASD and how that corresponded to their sleep issues or lack of sleep issues. You might remember that the development of the hippocampus was the most strongly associated with sleep problems. Not just the hippocampus, but the development of the hippocampus from 6 to 12 months predicted sleep problems at 24 months. They focused on sleep onset, that is, how long it takes a baby to fall asleep, Between 6 and 12 months, you may not be able to understand all the problems with sleep in a baby. I mean, come on, they're babies. They don't sleep, but it's clear some babies have a harder time getting to sleep than others. We know that lack of sleep, if you lump all the sleep problems into one bucket, is associated with a number of issues in people with an autism diagnosis. There are more communication problems, more affective issues, and more problem behaviors in autistic people who have sleep problems. These problem behaviors include things like depression or aggression, tantrums, irritability, outbursts, and conduct problems. Interestingly, there are links between sleep issues and problem behaviors in disorders like ADHD as well. So this isn't unique to autism. And while I'm not aware of a study comparing autistic people to those with ADHD in terms of outcomes because of sleep problems, it's not a competition. In many ways, the biology is different, and in many ways, the biology is on a spectrum between autism spectrum disorders and ADHD. So it would be interesting to narrow down the neurobiological focus of the link between sleep and problem behaviors in autism and ADHD. However, again, this isn't a competition, and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast on Autism, so let's focus on there. Using another strategy, links between autism severity and sleep have been studied. And last year, the link between autism severity, levels of sleep problems, and problem behavior was studied. Now, autism severity has been linked to more problem behaviors later in life and even across time. In people with no sleep problems and ASD, ASD severity was clearly linked to problem behaviors. So if you don't have any sleep problems, there's a clear link between autism severity and problem behaviors. However, for those with moderate to severe sleep problems, so these are ones that have sleep problems, those problem behaviors were linked to sleep regardless of ASD severity levels. In other words, no sleep problems, autism severity is more linked to problem behaviors. But if you have sleep problems, it's actually those sleep problems that are linked to those problem behaviors in autism. 
even those with mild features of ASD exhibited problem behaviors if sleep was an issue. This suggests that individuals with moderate to severe sleep disturbance, in addition to ASD of any severity, are more likely to experience problem behaviors at levels high enough to warrant clinical attention. This reiterates how important sleep is to people. And I'm not even saying it's something limited to autism spectrum disorder, but definitely a problem for those affected by ASD. Now, can we get more specific than quote unquote sleep problems? I know, I already mentioned sleep onset, but of course that's not the only issue, although it was the only one studied in that baby research. There are eight subdomains on a commonly used measure for sleep, which is called the Child Sleep Health Questionnaire. These subdomains are bedtime resistance, sleep onset delay, sleep duration, sleep anxiety, night awakening, parasomnias, sleep disordered breathing, and daytime drowsiness. A study of preschoolers in China investigated what are known as parasomnia in kids with either ASD or those who had typical development. Children with ASD had a longer time to fall asleep and more awakening times, but actually lower levels of sleep anxiety compared to those without an autistic diagnosis. There were, however, no differences in parasomnias. Now, parasomnias are things like night walking and night talking. There was no difference, again, in parasomnias between the two groups. However, regardless of this lack of difference, they looked at the different parasomnias and their influence on both internalizing and externalizing behaviors in both those with autism or typical development. These particular parasomnias were things like wets the bed, talks during sleep, restless sleepwalks, grinds teeth, awakened screaming, and nightmares. Again, while no significant overall difference in parasomnias existed between ASD and typically developing kids, those that had ASD and parasomnias exhibited more behavior problems compared to those who did not have an autism diagnosis. The linear regression analysis revealed that deep breathing disorders were mainly associated with problems of typically developing children, but not children who had an autism diagnosis. So sleep is clearly more than just quote unquote problem sleeping. These things tell clinicians and parents what the exact sleep problems that are linked to problem behaviors are. And that's important. Now, there's also some data to suggest that the relationship between sleep problems and autism is bidirectional. That is, a lack of sleep could actually worsen symptoms of autism, and autism symptoms could exacerbate sleep problems. In 2019, a group in the Netherlands studied autistic adults and the link between insomnia and sensory hyperactivity and social skills. They looked at it both ways. They actually investigated the link between sensory hyperactivity and social skills and sleep problems and found that those with higher sensory hyperactivity and lower social skills had more severe insomnia. Now, this is similar to results found in kids, but was specifically looked at in adults. Sensitivity to light, remember sensory hyperactivity, unfamiliar noises or temperature changes, which may not affect those without a diagnosis, may just trigger something and prevent sleep in those with ASD. 
or it could be the other way around. It's hard to tell. But scientists need to look at circadian rhythms during sleep and look at, in fact, brain activity during sleep in those with and without an autism diagnosis. Now, how do genetics play a role in all this? How do scientists know what the genetics are? By studying people with rare genetic disorders where a specific genetic mutation is known, and yes, later on we'll talk about in mice with a specific gene mutation, what are the roles of specific genes associated with neurodevelopmental disorders and autism on sleep? Again, genetics is not the only factor, but with the different technological advances in genetics, one way to examine the role of genetics and associated symptoms in autism is to look at those with rare genetic disorders. And these include looking at sleep and things like GI problems. And when scientists look across the literature across these different genetic disorders associated with ASD, it was clear that people with genetic disorders associated with autism and neurodevelopmental disorders had worse sleep overall compared to those without these diagnoses. Period. That's overall, though. The authors then went farther and looked at specific sleep problems and found that they were different depending on the genetic disorder studied, which may point to a biological mechanism in itself. For example, Angelman syndrome, and I'll get more to that, Rett syndrome, neurofibromatosis, and tuberous sclerosis patients have problems with insomnia, but only Fragile X and Angelman patients had problems with nighttime wetting. Now, this didn't look at every single rare genetic syndrome, so don't come at me if your child has a rare genetic syndrome and does not have some of these symptoms. As an aside, the Alliance for the Genetic Etiologies of Neurodevelopmental Disorders and Autism is categorizing what registry groups are asking about sleep so these studies can be done in the future. All these differences across the type of sleep problems should be kept in mind for future sleep research. If people with one type of genetic disorder have one type of sleep problem like bedwetting, focus on that, not sleep hygiene, or focus on daytime sleepiness and tuberous sclerosis and not bedwetting. Now, certain enzyme disorders associated with ASD and NDDs are associated with breathing problems during sleep, so they actually may need special consideration. On the other hand, general insomnia was elevated across disorders showing that general insomnia probably doesn't have a specific genetic risk. It may be more responsive to behavioral or environmental modifications. So the specificity of treatment based on the type of sleep disturbance should apply to the tons of people out there with ASD who suffers from sleep problems. There is also a gene that regulates sleep, and the missing database looked at the presence of this gene or set of genes in people with ASD. The Canadians again used the missing database to find out how many autistic individuals had mutation in a family of genes called the PER genes, which regulate sleep-wake cycles. In a group of about 5,000 people with ASD, four had mutations of these PER genes. One of them had an unconfirmed sleep disorder, but the other three people had sleep disturbances without a clinically diagnosed sleep disorder. And their ASD symptoms were all over the place. But let's think about the sample size of four, so let's not put too much weight on that. These PER mutations are pretty rare in people with autism. I mean, four out of 5,000. So if your child has a sleep problem, it's probably due to the autism or NDD or whatever caused that autism. 
It can be made worse by autism symptom itself, but don't jump to the conclusion that it's a PER mutation. But categorizing the different type of sleep disturbances is a good thing to do so clinicians know how to treat them. Now, one disorder, Angelman syndrome, stood out because there was literally an equal mix of insomnia, sleep-related breathing problems, nighttime bedwetting, and excessive daytime sleepiness and teeth grinding across the group. So what's going on in the brain? It seems pretty heterogeneous, so multiple things could be happening. Without doing tons of EEGs on kids and adults with Angelman syndrome during sleep, and in order to link a specific gene mutation to sleep, Jill Silverman and Nicole Copping at UC Davis looked at seizure thresholds and brainwaves during sleep in Angelman syndrome mice. Now, these mice have an exon deletion in UBE3A, which is associated with Angelman syndrome. People with Angelman syndrome have anywhere between a 30 and 60% chance of having autism spectrum disorder, but a very, very high percentage of them have a neurodevelopmental disorder. They looked at something called sleep spindles. This is electrical activity in the brain that occurs during sleep, and it's thought to be involved in the consolidation of memory while you sleep. Sleep does have functions besides letting you rest. It helps put those memories into your long-term memory instead of floating around in your short-term memory where they can get lost. The group at the Mind Institute were able to put electrodes into the brains of Angelman syndrome mice to look at these sleep spindles and other EEG activities during sleep. This study was able to replicate a lot of findings about the nature of brain activity and behavior in Angelman syndrome and correlate some of these findings to human studies, which is important. But this is already getting too long, so I'm going to get straight to the sleep studies. They measured alterations in sleep activity by quantifying time in awake but not moving, awake in moving, slow wave sleep, then time to sleep onset, and finally time spent in REM sleep. There are ways to define these things, and I'll send you a PDF if you want to read it. The mice spent less time in both paradoxical and slow wave sleep. They had longer latencies to fall asleep and less time in sleep. Now, this was all compared to mice without the mutation. Now, these changes include during the light cycle when they're normally asleep and the dark cycle when they're normally awake. For the first time, they detected fewer sleep spindles in an, in an Angelman syndrome mouse model, which is a critical marker of memory consolidation during sleep. Now, this was the first time it was done in a mouse and the first time that they were able to actually look at sleep spindle activity. Now, this measure should be used by researchers studying idiopathic and genetic models in mice and rats of autism and neurodevelopmental disorders. So the point of the podcast Autism sleep problems are more complex than just quote-unquote loss of sleep. They can be influenced by genetics, but more, not one specific gene. Sleep issues may be bidirectional. They can be caused by neurobiological changes or exacerbated by symptoms like sensory issues. They might be, but they're not necessarily tied to autism severity. And these complex sleep types can now be studied in mouse models for better precision of exact brain waves or areas of the brain that could be modified. And those with rare genetic disorders seem to have a higher rate of sleep issues, which means that this group may be a place to start studying the influence of particular genes on things like sleep. So with that, I'm going to tell you to relax, close your eyes, and take a nap. Thanks for listening. 
Next week, we're going to have a conversation with Helen Wilsley, who's going to talk about all these different new ways to introduce genetic variation and look at different outcomes using some really cool preclinical models. Talk to you then.